It's Wednesday, so you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. Hey, you can listen to me any day of the week. You can listen online at WRTFM.org, at the A Public Affair podcast, or on the WORT smartphone app. If you like what you hear, click the donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. I grab my mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound communication of our tribal war. Hello, everybody, and welcome. It's Wednesday, so that means you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird, and I want to remind you, you are listening to volunteer-powered, listener-sponsored community radio, WORT 89.9 FM, Madison. And you are tuned in to our fabulous noon talk show, A Public Affair. And again, I'm your host today. I'm Carousel Baird. We are continuing our conversation with candidates running for office, um, and we have have three fabulous individuals running to be the next mayor of the city of Madison. And today in the studio with me is my good friend, Gloria Reyes. Hello, Gloria. Hello, Carousel. I'm so excited to be on your show. Thank you for the invite. It's so great to have you. And it's <laughs> lovely. Again, hooray, my second guest in person. It's it's just nice to see you sitting right here. Um, yes. And I'm excited to talk about your campaign yeah. to be the next mayor for the city of Madison. So, Gloria, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're running. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, um, I care about this community. Um, I feel like this community raised me. Um, and, you know, as a daughter of migrant farm workers who came to Madison um, in the early 70s, um, you know, I feel like I am a proud product of what Best Madison has to offer. Mm-hmm. I graduated from East High School. I went on to Madison College. Um, went on to UW Madison and then later got my master's degree in public administration. Um, and then I became a law enforcement officer. Uh, I became a law enforcement officer and then because I wanted to change. I wanted to build relationships and trust between our communities of color, particularly in law enforcement. And then I was doing such good work and I, I was uh, tapped to become deputy mayor. So I served as deputy mayor for the city of Madison for five years. Um, and then during that time, I was also the education liaison, and we sat on the education committee yes. uh, together. That's how you and, and I got to know each other. Yeah, yes. it was really hard. It was challenging. I felt that there was a missing voice on the school board, and you know, against all, uh, I mean, the community asked me to run. Um, several members of the community asked me to run, and um, you know, I stepped in the race, and against all odds, the voters of um, of the city, it was a, a citywide race, um, voted me in, and. Uh, broke history on uh, voting in the first Latina to serve on the Madison School Board. And just a year on, uh, my colleagues appointed me to serve as president during the most tumultuous times in recent history. It was, um, you know, COVID, pandemic, um, the murder of George Floyd, the social unrest that occurred here in Madison, and the focus on SROs. Um, and I led us through all that, all of that. And so, you know, I've been, now here I am. I've been drafted to run for mayor. Uh and uh, because people know that I care about this community and um, ca- I care about attainable housing. I care about public safety and economic development. Um, you know, what's crazy is I'm sure you're aware is that um, over 50 percent of our rental units are not affordable for our black families and are not affordable for many families in the city, um, but particularly our black families. And that is wrong. Um we, you know, we need quality economic development, right? We need to uh, move past this post-COVID um, recovery effort in um, uplifting our small local businesses um, um, so that people can afford to pay their rents and mortgage payments and raise their families. But we can't raise our families when, um, you know, homicides have increased. Um, since I left the mayor's office, we um, had homicides. Um, 2019, it was uh, four homicides, and now we have uh, increased um, 10 homicides a year. Um, although that may not mean a lot for a city our, our size, it means a lot to many people who are directly impacted by um, losing a loved one, um, a brother, or a son, um, to a violent incident. And, um, you know, there were 700 incidents of motor vehicle thefts last year alone. Um, and so I'm concerned about the future of our city. Uh, under the current leadership, and we need to take action on building a vision for the future of Madison, um, a strong local economy that um, works for everybody. 
building housing that is attainable for everybody and creating an environment of public safety that protects everybody. Uh, we need a mayor who will engage and listen to our community and take your ideas and concerns back to City Hall. Uh, we need a mayor that will stand up for the issues that impact our community and a mayor that will be the voice of our residents. And solving all these challenges creates the Madison we're moving into. Um, and um, I ask the community to join me in, in electing uh, me as your as your next mayor. It's good to sort of hear your your big picture yes. vision and, and thoughts. Um, I want to you know sort of break all that yeah, down, Gloria. Of of First of all, I love that. I mean, you are a Madisonian. Yes, you know. I am. Um, yeah. Talk to us about how does that shape your vision for the city, and the fact that you know you were here. As a teenager at East High School, you were here as a college student at Madison College at UW. You were here as a brand new professional. And now you're here, you know, as a professional adult with all this history behind you. How does that shape um, policy decisions that you think you'll be able to make? Yeah, it shapes a lot. I think, you know, I have a different lens in this community and many different um, aspects, like you mentioned. You know, I have lived experience. I've lived in poverty I've struggled, my family um, struggled with homelessness when I was young. Mm-hmm. We moved around a lot. Uh, food insecurity, um, issues that impacted my education, um, you know, and so we, um, I have those deep-rooted understanding of how uh, policy and the decisions that we make um, impact our most vulnerable communities in the city. And then now seeing it as a professional, uh, a, a public safety professional as a law enforcement officer. I have worked uh, every part of the city, uh, the west side, east side, north side, south side. And so I understand and have worked uh, with neighborhood associations and um, been a very collaborative grassroots leader um, because I understand the challenges and I understand that law enforcement can't solve all of our societal issues. And so when you have crime, um, when you have an incident uh, where somebody has committed a crime, it's it's really deep rooted, um, and we have to really dig down deep and to figure figure that out, and then identify those trends. And so, um, knowing um, you know the the lived experience that I've had, um, and make and understanding and working alongside uh, nonprofits and organizations that can help support and problem solve around issues um, in this community, whether it be um, economic development, housing. Uh, or public safety. Um, I really do have a uh, an ability to bring people together. Um, and so an understanding that I don't have all the answers, um, but because I have that instinct within me that because I lived it and I know it, um, it really helps drive my leadership skills. And that's helped support me throughout my career. Talk to us about criminal justice. That's so much a part of your your background, yeah. right? Your your uh, degree at UW, yeah. your work as a police officer, um, and then your work as a deputy mayor, looking at uh, criminal justice among other things. Yeah. Um, so, talk to us about that. What would you do differently than in what is happening now, and how specifically would you address the racial disparities which have been horrendous since the time you were? Yep. A police officer and as deputy mayor, and as such, I mean, Madison is a leader in our racial disparities in our criminal justice system. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, you know, it's huge, but we need to be very intentional and focused about breaking those ra- racial disparities. And um, as a law enforcement officer, I did that. I started the first restorative court on the south side as a neighborhood officer because I understood that we just kept arresting arresting young people, sending sending them through a revolving door. Um, that just continue to feed into the um, the system and racial disparities. And so um, innovative strategies like restorative justice, um, uh, you know, de- deferred prosecution, um, you know, really um, other opportunities for us to divert young people away from the criminal justice was so essential as a law enforcement officer. And as deputy mayor, um, when we saw an increase in crime, I brought together stakeholders, those with lived experience, the Madison School District, United Way, um, Dane County together to solve the increase in car thefts um, in our city, pastors um, uh, who were engaged with mothers who were struggling with their young young children and stealing cars, um, the Juvenile Reception Center, brought them all together to really think outside the box of how we respond to 
um, to this without law enforcement leading the effort because we know that um, you know law enforcement is very key to public safety but it's not the only way to bring down crime in our city it really is uh, and that's what what I mean when I talk about reimagining public safety it is supporting law enforcement so that they can do what they you know are supposed to do and that is um, reduce crime and the violent crime and respond to those but it's also um, you know helping support you know uplifting community to respond to the violence um, when I was in the mayor's office I started the I worked with public health to start the public health um, response to violence and I'm glad it's still going um, I think as as mayor I'm going to really move with a sense of urgency on um, working with um, the organizations and our residents who are working on those committees. I, I serve on the steering committee still, and so I'm part of that process. Um, the last thing I gave the mayor was a memo on um, on an alternative response to calls for service, and that was mental health because the last the two year, last two years I was in the mayor's office, we did a National League of Cities technical assistance process where we, um, uh, where we wanted to reduce jail use among young adults, particularly black males. And um, because of that technical assistance, we were able to dig down in the data, and we found that we were arresting um, black males more than um, white males, same age range uh, for disorderly conduct. Yes, and so we're still you know doing that. that. Yeah. But we did that. We did that. I mean, that is an endemic issue yeah. with Madison. We did that while you were a police officer. Yeah. We did that while you were yeah. deputy mayor. We're still doing yeah. that. Yeah, and so I think that um, when we um the care so that that's what the mayor current mayor has done was the cares program uh, i really want mental health responders mental health responders because what we found through that data was it was a lot of mental health calls mm-hmm. and um so i'm glad that that's going on but i think we have to go for much further than that and much faster we need to really focus on our young people in this city um and work with briar patch youth services and other organizations who can work with young people um and so, you know, I, I just want to say, and as an um, officer and a an ex- professional expert in the field, um, I am a professional on infusing equity within law enforcement and, uh, you know, analyzing their policies, procedures, and their data um, to ensure that they're not continuing to have unintended consequences. Um, and I worked with cities across the country through the National League of Cities on reimagining public safety. So again, what I was talking about is uplifting community, supporting police, uplifting community to respond to a lot of these societal issues. So give us some good examples about, you know, under your leadership as mayor, tell us some some concrete things that we would see differently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, so another thing I started in the mayor's office was the community safety intervention team um, that's still um, developing. And that was um, developed uh, under my leadership, uh, brought in, again, community stakeholders, and um, responded to inter- incidents as they happened. Um, and so uh, to really think about how uh, a major incident would um, uh, feed trauma into our community. So let's say you have a homicide. Typically what would happen, say, on top of State Street that just happened this summer, um, is the police would come, investigate, clear the scene, and walk away. In the meantime, we have a community that is, tra- is filled with trauma, business owners on State Street. And I walked down State Street and I talked to them uh, right after that hum- that um, shooting on top of State Street. And so um, I think as mayor, I'm going to set up a Office of Violence Prevention that will bring all the um, great efforts that we've done so far, public health, um, community safety intervention team, um, the, the CARES program, uh, Madison School District, United Way and other leaders Um, to collaborate on a regular basis so that we are, and the Madison Police Department, of course, um, and to make sure that we are heading in the right direction. Um, Trends change really fast, and if you're not on top of that, um, you know, then it's too late. Um, And so um, my concern is that we're losing young people to the criminal justice system. And these are young black kids who we are losing. And we we need to get a hold of them now because those young kids are going to raise a family. They're going to stay in the city. They're going to raise a family in the city. They're going to work in the city. So we have to invest in them now. Otherwise, in the next five years, we're going to have some some serious issues if we don't. Um, So an Office of Violence Prevention, 
a I want to start doing a homicide review commission where um, uh, there's a group of people who are reviewing homicides and serious crimes and digging down deeper of what happened in each incident to identify trends um, so that we can get to the root causes through a public health lens, through um, a mental health lens, um, and really respond to those incidents. Um, and so um, I want to ensure that we have a youth to workforce pipeline within our schools and help support um, the school district in uh, managing and, and getting a hold of our, our most problem students in our in our schools and identify an opportunity for them to go to work um, as a credit or you know into the trades um, uh, potentially, but really a, a concrete way for them to be productive and have really have them see in their own way that they have a future in the city uh, and give them those opportunities and opening doors for them. Um, oftentimes, uh, I remember when I was in high school, um, I, w- you know, I was lost. I didn't know um, where I was going. And all it took was for a counselor to tell me, it's not too late, Gloria. Um, you know, it's not too late. You can get it together. And so, um, and one day it, it hit and I said, Mr. Scott, you know, uh, um, you know, how, it's not too late. Uh, and so it, that's all it takes for some people, some of these young people is to really um, engage with them and um, have somebody with lived experience who can um, mentor them. Um, and so um, those are the things that I'm going to focus on in the mayor's office. It's really going to be one of my top priorities. If you're not safe, you're not going to be safe on a transit system. You're not going to be safe going to State Street. Um, and so we need to catch, we need to intervene at this moment in time for the future of Madison. So talking with you now, do you think that Madison is a safe community? I think it's relatively safe now. Um, I think it's very safe. Yeah. My ex- well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it, you don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, um, it's generally safe, but I think what breaks my heart is when we do lose a loved one in our community Absolutely. of violence. And, um, we just had a couple of sexual assaults downtown. Um, and one was a 70 something year old woman. And, you know, I think we, we, when those incidents happen, we have to take it seriously. We can't say, um, that, um, we're, we're safe. I mean, those are, we want to keep ourselves safe, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, we have to intervene and have stra- concrete strategies that work, um, to get guns off the street, to, um, you know, engage our young people because they're the future of Madison. Um, and uh, we need to inter- we need to intervene now. We want to keep it safe. I'm not um, I'm concerned about our young people stealing cars. Um, and if you've ever been a victim of a, a crime of a burglary where somebody's gone into your home, um, somebody has stolen your car, that's serious and that impacts the quality of life of all of our residents in the city. Not only that, but we're losing young people to the criminal justice system, young black children, and we should not, um, lose our young black children and put all of our resources into helping support uh, divert their lives. And so, yeah. We're talking right now with Gloria Reyes. She is a candidate for mayor for the city of Madison. The election is actually coming up. I think it's four weeks from yesterday on yes. Tuesday, February 21st. Yes. Um, so I'm so glad we have this opportunity to talk with Gloria and really get an understanding of what her vision is for the city of Madison. We would love for you to join the conversation. Please give us a call if you have a question or a thought for Gloria. We would love to hear from you at area code 608 256 2001 extension 9. Um, Gloria, when you go on your website and you've mm-hmm. talked already, uh, youth is clearly something that's um, important to you. And that's not always something that, right, you've been as a deputy mayor, part of the city, I was on the county board, and we don't per se directly deal with youth issues, but I appreciate the conversation of schools and public education are, I don't care that I was on the county board. That's one of the most important things to the quality of life and the success mm-hmm. of society everywhere, Dane County and Madison included. What kind of relationship would you have, um, do you want to foster uh, with, the, with the school district? And what can the city of Madison do to support our schools? Yeah, I mean... We have an investment in in our public schools, right? Mm-hmm. If they are not thriving, we are not thriving. Um, every realtor that I've talked to, every professional who brings people to Madison, um, they talk about public schools. And so we have to have um, a a successful, thriving p- 
public school. Um, and the city has a responsibility over that, right? We may not have direct jurisdiction over the decisions that are being made, but as mayor, I'm going to support the superintendent and the school board and the administrators um, across the board on investing more on Madison out of school time and really um, even focus on our most vulnerable children after they come out of school and uh, provide direct services and programmings for our most vulnerable um, students. And that's what I would do is uh, increase Madison out of school time opportunities, ensure that our uh, students are safe in schools, um, our staff are in schools. I have many friends and, and colleagues and you know family who work in our schools and they are really concerned about um, you know, the fights and the disturbances that are happening uh, within our schools. And so w directly working with the Madison Police Department and our school district so that uh, we are developing close relationships um, alongside other nonprofit organizations um, to help us support, um, you know, our, our teachers and staff. Just like when I was in Briarpatch, we would be called in um, uh, frequently to help support a child that we have built trust with uh, into into the school to help support um, that young person. And so it is connecting, uh, having strong connections with our nonprofit organizations that we work with and we collaborate with that we fund to help support uh, our schools and our classrooms so that they can, uh, they can thrive. And so there are many opportunities for uh, partnerships. And so uh, one of the first things I will do is meet with uh, Superintendent Jenkins and uh, the, the school board to really find ways in which we can collaborate and explore uh, future opportunities for uh, partnerships and investment. Gloria, you were on the school board yeah. when the school board voted to uh, remove police officers, SROs from school. What, talk to us about that vote and do you think that was the right decision to remove them? Yeah, you know, that was a really tough uh, time for our city, right? We were right in the middle of a pandemic uh, we were not in school. Uh, it was the uh, after the drastic murder of George Floyd that our country saw uh, on TV and our our children saw. It was devastating. It was devastating for law enforcement officers to see uh, uh, to see this happen. And uh, that's not how we're trained. It's not how law enforcement officers are trained. And so um, it was a critical time. Uh, we have had a very active group. Uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, Freedom Inc., uh, advocating to take SROs um, out of schools for years. And so sometimes as a leader during a crisis, you have to make a decision. You have to step up and lead, uh, despite that it having, um, you know, not you don't agree with it personally or professionally. And uh, when protesters came to my house, uh, I walked out and I engaged with them because that's the kind of leader I am. And I listened. I listened to all the young people who were there screaming at me, um, advocating to take SROs out of schools. My daughter was with me. Uh, and But that's what leaders do. We listen and learn um, and reflect uh, about what's the best way to move forward. And I did that. Uh, talked to other school board members and uh, really evaluated where we were. We were not in school. And so uh, there were a couple things. We were not in school. We were in a uh, pandemic where I was concerned about the health of our protesters. Um, our State Street downtown was just um, out of control. Uh, understanding the social unrest was important, but um, you know, damage to, to buildings and um, you know, setting fires up all over the place, breaking windows. It um, it was a time for for me to step up as a leader uh, to try to really calm things down and intervene and. Um, so we did that. And the other thing was is that it's not fair for our law enforcement officers um, to keep them in a place where they're not wanted and uh, keep them in a, in a place where they're going to continually be criticized and uh, looked under a microscope for anything that they do within our schools, any action that they have to take, depending on the situation. And so all in all, I care about our community. Uh, that's why I made the decision. I care about... Uh, what was going on at that time and after George Floyd. And I care about our law enforcement officers who shouldn't be somewhere where they're not wanted. Uh, and so it was a really good opportunity to stop and assess and reevaluate our policies and procedures 
and uh, invest in restorative justice, invest in mental health supports uh, to keep our, our, our schools safe. Now, you know, I, I'm, I'm the type of leader that will try something um, during a crisis and, and evaluate and assess. And that was an opportunity for us to do that. Now, here today, uh, I'm not sure where we'll go. Um, hmm. I do want to continue to ensure that uh, the Madison Police Department it works in close um, partnership with our school district to make sure that they're safe. We have a caller that has been waiting for a, a moment. Okay. So, And by the way, thank you for yes. explaining your thoughts on that. Um, Araceli, I think I'm pronouncing your name right, but please correctly, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm not. Um, talk, you have a question about minority-owned businesses. I do. Hola, Gloria. Hola, amiga, ¿cómo estás? Hola, Araceli. <laughs> good, good. I just want to say for everyone, this is such a moment, like momentous moment in our history here in Madison, having a Latina going for, Mad- for the highest position, you know, in public office. And as an EOC commissioner, I totally am excited to see how this is panning out and what you're talking about today is so important about police uh, safety and uh, we definitely still need, there's some, you know, sins of our, of our background and uh, Madison Police Department with like Kenny and with what's happened with, you know, with Tori Robinson that still needs to be healed and alleviated. And so I'll let you talk about that at a later time. But my question is for you right now is about minority businesses. What will you do as mayor, as Latina mayor uh, for minority businesses outside of construction? Because we, some of us are, and not all in the construction. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, I think that's really part of my economic development plan um, is, you know, to develop jobs that um, pay a living wage. Um, and um, that we have a, I'm going to bring together a mayor's economic development advisory committee. And that's going to include all the chambers at SLA. It's going to include the Black Chamber, Latino Chamber, the, the Madison Chamber, um, the um, business community and residents, uh, the local business, local by Dane, and we're going to establish and we're going to meet quarterly um, about economic development in our city, uh, particularly um, uh, c- uh, performing a post-COVID recovery plan for our businesses uh, because we are still um, struggling. I um, mean, you look down State Street, we're, we're struggling, uh, and more so our, our minority-owned um, businesses are, are even more struggling than that. And so I really try to figure out where we are as a, as a city and provide uh, appropriate investments to uh, small business owners, particularly black, Latino, Asian um, business owners, to uplift them so that they can start creating jobs um, for our community. And so um, engaging with plan- our planning councils throughout the, the city um, uh, who, you know, we can um, engage with residents to understand the real needs of the community. And so that really is my plan is immediately as uh, once I'm mayor is developing that economic development advisory committee uh, so that uh, the business community guides and uh, really informs my mayoral priorities moving forward as we start thinking about budgets um, in future years where, you know, we're going to be in a huge budget deficit um, and then 23, 24 um, and it, it's really, it's going to be really scary. And, um, yeah, I think that's what I would do. I, I would really look at our business, um, uh, department, uh, that we have with the city, ensure that we have language access, um, appropriate language access to, uh, translate forms, translate, have translators in our office who can help support, um, small businesses and also mentorship. Uh, making sure that we have mentors who have been successful in building their own businesses and working with our La- Latino uh, and Black and Asian um, business owners um, to ensure that they're successful. Also, the public market, you know, the public market is exciting for our city, and it really allows an opportunity for a small business owner like yourself to uh, to start their business and um, and grow and alongside uh, partnership or uh, mentorship opportunities uh, for um, small business owners. Talk to us more specifically about economics and, yeah. and, and downtown. How do you feel, uh, how do you think that uh, downtown Madison is doing? It's n- not doing. I mean, 
I, I think, you know, we had, it's not, it's, they're struggling. I've, uh, like I mentioned, after the shooting downtown uh, on State Street, uh, right in front of Michelangelo's, um, I talked to every business owner, and it's sad. It really is sad. They're, um, uh, we need to invest in downtown businesses. Um, and uh, we have to, that is the central location. Um, and we have to bring in black and um, Latino and Asian business owners downtown. I mean, we currently have a very diverse um, business owners um, who own their businesses downtown, who are barely struggling, who are who are just barely surviving. And um, but really, as part of this economic development advisory council, is think about outside the box about strategies and moving. Uh, small business owners into uh, onto State Street on a permanent basis to help sustain them, um, not just for a month or two or during the summer months, um, but really um, bring them downtown because our, our, our minority-owned business want to be where there's more traffic. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. State Street should be the place. And so I don't feel like it's an either or. I think it is in, um, is investing in both State Street and our minority-owned businesses and working together to build up State Street again. And, you know, right, we've been through COVID. Yeah. We've been through, you know, a gl- global pandemic, uh, national, if not global inflation. There are struggles that are happening that, that aren't really a Madison issue, but you think that there's Mad- Madison-focused solutions? Oh, yeah. To, I mean, there has to be. I mean, so what would be some of the programs that you would yeah, initiate there, there, downtown? There has to be. I, I think we have to work with uh, Downtown Madison, Inc., uh, the Business Improvement District, um, the Madison Chamber, and like I said, the uh, Latino and Black Chambers, um, to come up with um, really a long a post-COVID recovery plan um, to bring not only just program, but investments in um, what we want downtown to look like in the future. Um, assess where we're at. Um, why are we, you know, why are we losing businesses downtown? Why can't we bring pe- um, businesses downtown? Except aren't we losing businesses in every downtown in America? Of course. And maybe every downtown in the but world. we're not every downtown. I'm, I, I'm the mayor for the city. And I have to think about um, the residents of this city and the business owners in this city. And, um, you know, we Madison is better than that. Mm. You know, we are better. We've always been better than that. I mean, we're on the, what, top 10 list in every, in every magazine, you know, and we need to keep it that way. But if you go to downtown State Street right now, it doesn't look like we're the top 10. Um, we're, we have serious issues. And if we don't deal with them right now, we're going to have significant issues in the next five, five, 10 years. State Street won't look the same. What about working uh, with neighborhoods and making sure that neighborhoods and communities are are succeeding and thriving? What what would you do differently? So um, I've spent my um, since December um, meeting with neighborhood associations, and it's been amazing. I have been learned so much visiting all neighborhood associations across the city um, because I want their voices, as I said uh, in my introduction, as I want their voices to be heard and bring them back to City Hall. And so uh, meeting with neighborhood associations and understanding what their struggles are, what their concerns are, where are the opportunities for growth, and help support the alder who works in that district to bring those concrete solutions um, back to City Hall in our policy decisions. Um, And it's it's amazing to hear that that, they have never seen a mayoral candidate at their neighborhood association meetings. And um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I think my campaign is very grassroots. I want to learn from the community, um, uh, hear about their concerns, and, you know, as I said, make them as part of my mayoral priorities. And so neighborhood associations chairs particularly will be part of my um, planning, my, my mayor's advisory planning council. Uh, where uh, we are talking about redevelopment in different neighborhoods um, uh, so that we're not surprised by a zoning change. I mean, you know, uh, right now we are zoning. There's so many zoning changes happening. Residents don't know about it until it's happening. And so the process is they call in, um, you know, to uh, 
call about concerns or supporting, but we need to plan our neighborhoods around neighborhoods and the residents that live in those neighborhoods. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that that's going to be why the planning council is going to be so important is bringing all the planning councils together from across the city and um, bringing the, their voices and the neighborhoods and the community voices um, into really talking about what their neighborhoods will look like in the future. How do you make sure the voices that usually aren't at the table yeah. and on some level will never be at the table? They don't have time to join the Neighborhood Association. They do not have time to join these meetings. They don't have time to do any of this. They're focusing on, you know, getting to work and supporting their family and paying rent. Mm-hmm. How do you make sure that their voices are part of the conversation and that it's not being carried away by sort of a NIMBY perspective? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thanks for that. I, I'm i a grassroots leader. I have been infused in this community for years. I'm naturally in, in circles um, on the weekends, on the evenings, um, listening to people and talking about the issues and so it, it's a natural uh, tendency for me to get the voices. I don't need to hire a consultant. Maybe I will, right, um, to do some uh, engagement in the, in, in the city. But I'm there. Uh, and I'm going to expect our city council members will be there as well and listen to the voices who we don't hear when they call in. Um, and so that means our disability community, our seniors, our, our, our BIPOC community, LGBTQIA community, we have to intentionally be in those spaces to listen to those voices. We can't expect them to, to make a call. So I wanna be that mayor that when I'm up there, that I'm, I am uplifting the voices that I just heard when I was at that LGBTQIA event when we're making changes that have unintended consequences uh, for them. We're talking right now with Gloria Reyes. She's candidate for mayor for the city of Madison. Um, we'd love to hear your questions or thoughts. Give us a call at area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. Jade is in the studio. She's producing. She's engineering. She's doing it all. Fabulous Jade is ready for your call. Um, she can patch you through to join us here, uh, uh, just like we heard from Araceli, with a question for Gloria, or you can pass a question on to her um, that she, Jade will pass on to me. So give us a call at area code 608-256-2001. Um, Gloria, I want to talk to you about housing. Um, and this ties into the the zoning changes, mm-hmm. but how do you address the lack of um, housing in Madison, there's a lack of affordable housing. There's just a lack of housing. There are limited things that a government can do. Mm-hmm. What would you support as mayor? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, I talked about the mayor's ho- housing advisory committee. Um, that's going to be um, consisting of uh, developers, realtors. Um, it's going to be um, residents, uh, neighborhood aso- chairs of the neighborhood associations. Um, all coming together to really um, identify a plan um, on building more housing um, in our community. Um, I'm going to work with the planning department to identify space um, in the city that's already open. I mean, East Town Mall is, you know, that's the area I live in. It's the, it's a parking lot. And so um, really working with the um, owners over there to figure out how we develop that land. Uh, and um, so that's one of the things that I will do along with the Housing Advisory uh, Council is identify areas in the city where where there's growth. Um, And then I will also assess the process, the internal city process of how to get a development approved and make that easier and go faster. Um, Right now, I hear from um, people who are just trying to build. I mean, I'm helping... A friend of mine trying to uh, uh, change the, the use um, change into a current housing initiative, and it's a long process, and it's difficult. Like, it's just – so really looking at process and figure out where are the gaps and opportunities to improve that process so that we can move faster um, into building these homes and, and developments, um, rental units, et cetera. Um, How do you make sure they're affordable? What gets Affordable. Built? I mean, I think that – you know, we can use WIDA tax credits. We can use, um, you know, opportunities like that. Uh, I really am about 
honing in um, and providing housing for our most vulnerable. Those um, people who, um, single mothers who are living in the motels right now um, and are living in cars, um, homeless individuals and moving them out of homelessness. And so um, it's not just about home, be, building homeless shelters. It is about building for our most vulnerable populations. And that is um, Housing First, for example. When I was in the mayor's office, we built Housing First over on Tree Lane and over on the east side um, for veterans. And, um, and so those, those types of housing, which requires you know, federal support um, you know, to build. Um, land banking is also an option, right? Um, um, having the city buy land in the city um, to build um, housing. Um, but we have to do it with an equity lens, just like everything that I've talked about today. We can't build housing and transportation without really looking at um, our seniors or those with disability in our most vulnerable community so that they are safe, they have a safe place to live. We have to tackle that first. Um, yes, we have to build density, um, but we also have to look at a more of an intentional focus um, on you know, what we're doing about building housing. The housing forward plan that the current mayor has um, was something that started um, you know, when I was in the mayor's office. I'm glad it's continuing, but it doesn't go far enough on the equity component of it. And so um, I agree, increasing more density, um, but some of my ideas are to improve the process of getting these dev developments approved, um, bringing in WIDA tax credits um, and other opportunities to um, have some of those um, housing units more affordable. Um, you know, 10, a certain percentage of housing in every development will be affordable. And also really focusing on our most um, uh, vulnerable communities um, to get them into housing first models, for example. And then also moving black um, homeowners and Latino Latinos into home ownership, starting to build generational wealth uh, and supporting programs like Own It, um, it which is a program that helps support uh, people of color, particularly black families, buy homes in this city. And they're doing it. So we keep talking about how hard it is, but we have a, a grassroots program that's actually making it happen. Um, and so we have to invest in ensuring that black people and Latino families are able to own their own homes um, to build generational wealth, and that's going to be one of my priorities. You mentioned uh, a little bit mass transportation. Yeah. What are your thoughts on bus rapid transit and expansion of uh, the bus services and uh, transportation for people in Madison? So, um, you know, I I know previous mayors have been trying to uh, pass a bus rapid transit system. Um, and the work started, you know, early on. Um, and so I agree that we, I support the BRT. But um, what is really concerning to me is the redesign of the bus routes um, and that it's not equitable. Um, I have been advocating, I, I became aware of this when I was the CEO of Briar Patch Youth Services when they took away the bus stop right in front of Briar Patch. Uh, and they moved it like two, three blocks down. I advocated it for them to move it closer and they did um but we should have done an equity analysis on the rapid redesign um i think they did it, it was a federal government they you need to do an equity analysis um so, something that i did as deputy mayor is really led our equity analysis um, process and okay. developed a tool and we should have used that tool and we should have used a process to um you know uh frame the the process and the program from an equity analysis standpoint. I mean, we we keep saying we keep talking about racial disparities in the city. We keep talking about um, you know wanting to be equitable, but when it really comes down for an opportunity for us to show um, leadership around um, developing equity in across the board, the transit system is an example. We should have started with an equity analysis um, and. You know, um, so now our South Side and North Side residents, um, they have to walk two or three blocks further. Um, the way the bus rapid transit system is um, was done was on a business model. So they're building a transit system where there's more people. It makes sense, right? Business people, you want more ridership. That definitely makes sense. But you cannot say you're building a model because of equity. 
an equity transit system. That is not what this is. This is a business model. We are building a transit system for people who live on University Avenue, live on um, East Washington, West Washington, and make it quick access. It makes sense. You want to increase ridership. That's what that is, and that if that's what we thought we were, if that's what we wanted to build, then we should tell the community that that's what we're building, and um, and so I think many me and many advocates in the community have been asking the city to do an equity analysis early on in the process. Um, they kept saying the federal government was going to do it, um, and so they they ended up doing it, but that's it's flawed. By the time you have the project done and completed then you have to go back and fix the issues. And so they did go back and fix some issues. And, um, you know, they're probably going to have to fix some issues in the future. But mm-hmm. that costs a lot of money. Um, and I think for me, if I was mayor during COVID, I would have stopped and assessed ridership. Ridership is low. Ridership is lower than what it was in 2019 before COVID. Um, and sure. And so, yeah. And right? so, we have more people that work from home. And so trying to so figure out then how. Changed. Yeah. Environments yeah. changed. I mean, yeah. you can't get into a state building right now. City workers are, are still working from home. Um, and yes, hopefully people will start coming back. But I would have I would have stopped, assessed, because the BRT process started before COVID. Um, that was the, the current mayor's agenda, that her priority. And um, I agree, the BRT was great. But let's look at the reality here. We had a, a, a global pl- pandemic that has changed our environment. So we should have stopped and assessed, done an equity analysis, and um, so that we are redesigning our bus routes to really imp- support our seniors and those with disability and our most vulnerable populations. I wanna ask you about Madison in general. You know, Madison is sort of this oasis yeah. uh, where you know, things on the state and federal level sometimes are falling apart we have elections that go smoothly. We um, are a community that talks about access to abortion, even while the state is, you know, unfortunately taking it away. How can Madison be a safe haven um, for people throughout Wisconsin and beyond? Yeah, you know, I'm, Madison is. I think, you know, if you look back at... Um, when we had those increased in ice, ice raids for our undo, in our undocumented community, our immigrants, um, ice came to Madison, uh, if you recall. Um, yeah. I forgot what year, was, what year that was, but I was the deputy mayor. When and, was it 2009? When was yeah, that? I was the deputy mayor and also on the school board. And so I started um, the um, immigration response team. I convened partners, the school district and immigration lawyers, um, and other Latino leaders in our community worked with the police department uh, to ensure that, um, to provide information to our community. And so um, now we know, right? We were not prepared, but we moved quickly and we brought people together. And um, I, I led our community and, uh, and other leaders um, on making sure that Madison is still a safe haven and safe place for our most vulnerable communities, our immigrant communities. Um, did you op- did you oppose ICE coming in or yeah. you didn't oppose? I, 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 I want to make no- sure. Yeah, they yeah. came out of nowhere. I mean, from my experience, yeah. what they what they would do is they would call um, the officer in charge for the Madison Police Department and say, "Hey, we're coming in to arrest so and so who has a search warrant," um, and they'd be like, "Okay." Um, and so, for a number of things could have gone wrong uh, with them here and not notifying. The Madison Police Department. That's what happened. They just came in and started arresting um, people. And so, um, and that causes fear in our community. And so yes. I spent time in our schools talking to youth, our students who were in tears about um, having to go home um, and being a concern that their parents would not be there. And that's hard. It's terrifying. Gloria, we only have a few more minutes. And I want to ask one final question that I, I, I (laughs) there's so many questions to ask, but you know, we've talked about so many initiatives and, 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 um, visions that you have. Yes. And you also mentioned funding this. How would you approach balancing the budget, knowing that there's so many priorities and not the ability to fund everything that you want? Yeah. You know, we're going to be in a huge budget deficit, like I said earlier, and we're going to have to make some tough decisions. 
Um, the first thing I'm going to have to do as mayor is meet with uh, Dave Schmidicke, um, our finance director and the finance team, to figure out what their recommendations were and how we got here in the first place. Um, and so, um, and by learning that, I'm going to be able to evaluate um, immediately um, in 2023 um, where, start thinking about where the cuts will have to be. Right, where would you cut? Where would I cut? And I think that um, definitely not cut serving our most vulnerable populations. And so I think that that is, um, we have to continue to serve um, those populations, our seniors, our, those, our homeless population, um, our uh, BIPOC communities. Um, and so uh, I don't know exactly what area um, we would have to cut. Um, and I'm gonna have to take guidance and advice from our finance team and figuring out where that can work and that can happen. But um, you're exactly right. We want to fund all this stuff. And then it's also an opportunity to reassess. Um, I think as a um, leader, I've, I'm accustomed to uh, reassessing and restructuring, um, uh, whether it be in a business or nonprofit. And um, where can we save? Where can we have cost savings in the city? Well, it's been amazing talking with you. Um, Gloria, thank you so much for joining yes, us thank today. You. And our, our final sort of 30 seconds here. Yes. How can people learn more about your campaign and what you're, if they can see you on the campaign trail? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, so I'm all over the place. Uh, so you'll probably see me. I was last night at a, at a waltz dance at the Wilmar um, uh, Center. But um, I, uh, you can reach me at uh, reyesformayor.com. Uh, and uh, get more information there. You can send me an email at Gloria at ReyesForMayor.com. Fantastic. Well, yes. thank you so much for yes, joining us, Clay. Thank you so much. Really great to see you yes. again, Gloria Reyes, candidate for uh, mayor for the city of Madison. Best of luck out there, and thank, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And I want to remind everyone the election, the primary election, is coming up. Uh, it's on Tuesday, February 21st, uh, in less than four weeks. And we're going to continue our conversations uh, with candidates next week. We start our conversations with Supreme Court candidates. Really excited for that. Hope everyone can join us and tune in again. I want to remind you, you are listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. A huge thank you to Jade for double duty engineering and producing and all her fabulous ads. Uh, thanks, Sholly, our news director. Thanks, Mary Jo, for staffing the phones. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Bye. Don't take no prisoners if you can't afford to feed none. Don't start no fights if you cannot predict the outcome. Don't make donations where you cannot get your dough back.